What's going on, guys? Michael here, Energy 360 Podcast with Anarchum. Excited to be bringing you this interview with CyberX. Buckle up, guys. Cybersecurity is one of the biggest issues in the oil field right now, not just from a software perspective, but as I'm going to learn just listening to this podcast, it's also about the hardware side of things. Stuart Turley, the director and publisher of Oil & Gas 360, is going to sit down with Phil Nire. He is the vice president of Internet of Things and Industrial Cybersecurity over at CyberX, who actually just got acquired by Microsoft before this uh, we recorded this podcast. So some really cool stuff going. You're going to learn all things oil field security. We are really excited to have Phil on the podcast. I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Stu. Kick this one off. Okay. Hey, good afternoon, Phil. I am so excited to sit down and visit with you about uh, CyberX and the merger with, uh, or excuse me, the purchase from Microsoft and your background and how all of this really key uh, security can help out the energy sector. So welcome and thank you for your time today. Thank you, Stu, it's great to be here. Hey, uh, some of the first things, uh, just to get really started here, you're in uh, uh, just outside of Boston on a snowy day, right? Yep, it's snowing here the first time of the year for this year, uh, just before Halloween, so it's kind of cool. Oh, nice, trick-or-treating in snow. That's yeah, kind of we'll yeah. um, Hey, give us a second uh, and tell us a little bit about CyberX, just for a, a brief moment, and then tell us the about the excitement of being uh, acquired by Microsoft, and then we'll roll right on into the markets and the importance and, and all of those kind of good things. So uh, tell us a little bit about CyberX. Sure. And actually, before I do that, let me just say why I'm excited to be on your show also is that... Uh, my first job out of school was as a Schlumberger wireline engineer oh. working on oil rigs in South America. So uh, the oil and gas industry is very near and dear to my heart. Oh, we, we love oil guys, uh, oil yeah. and gas guys and gals uh, in the in the field. We are uh, kind of brethren, I guess, if you would say. Yeah, I kind of miss the smell of the, the diesel on those oil rigs. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, so thanks, Stu. Uh, a few words about CyberX. So CyberX is a company that was formed in 2013 um, with the idea that industrial control systems and OT or operational technology networks um, had more or less been neglected in terms of security. Uh, we've done a great job over the last 10, 15 years adding security to our IT networks, protecting our email servers, our SAP servers, um, monitoring endpoints, but the OT world has always been apart and separate. And it made, that made sense for a long time because those networks were air-gapped. They weren't connected to any other networks. And so uh, it was very hard to imagine um, bad guys getting into the networks. Um, but all that has changed over the last few years. One of the main ways it's changed is that we're now connected between IT and OT networks just to be able to do a better job of tracking uh, what's going on on the uh, operational technology network. Um, and, you know, it's always been the case that you might be on the IT network, but you need to monitor a process that's occurring on the OT network or to change something on the OT network. So the connectivity between IT and OT networks has significantly increased over the past few years. 
Another trend that we've seen is that internet-connected IoT devices are now more present on these networks. They may not be directly in the control loop because those tend to be local, you know, locally connected systems like PLCs, um, but they might be added to the, to the industrial network as let's say a vibration sensor to do predictive maintenance where you wanna predict when a large piece of capital equipment might fail do something ahead of time so it doesn't interrupt your production. And those devices now are increasingly connected to the internet directly into the cloud because you want to do all these analytics in the cloud. So the combination of those two things, the IT and OT connectivity that hasn't existed in the past and the connectivity to the internet and the cloud have increased the attack surface. We also have a lot more devices out there monitoring these processes. And those devices tend to not have any agents on them. So they're essentially unmanaged. You don't know what you have. You don't know where they are. And if you were to be breached, you'd have no way of knowing about it. And that's what's driven the growth in our company, uh, CyberX. And that's what led to the acquisition by Microsoft. It's a huge untapped opportunity. I, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, the oil companies are so worldwide Microsoft being worldwide, um, that's pretty darn cool. And I can see why Microsoft is so secure in really trying to get this. There's a couple nuggets in your conversation that you said that really is applicable to the oil and gas space. Uh, the oil and gas space has not traditionally wanted to be uh, very forward and moving in some of this technology. They have been over the last few years because they've had to with the uh, reduction in CapEx. So you have all these pumps, all these pump jacks out there. You have all these points and I, you call those points of control. Uh, what did you call that? I believe something like that. And uh, those points of control are also uh, security problems. And now the oil and gas industry is needing this kind of technology. Um, so as you ins uh, inspect each packet through all the deep stuff, comes back to the data center. So if we have a offshore rig and some terrorists or some uh, hackers get into this thing, they could turn a jack off. Now that they're actually having remote management of this stuff or a drill causing a major blowout. So this can save the planet, save the whales uh, and, and everything else. So your thoughts on uh, taking a managed device to the, um, uh, Houston control room, if you would. Yeah, well, you're really hitting on something, Stu, here, which is that there are some big differences between IT security and OT security. IT security is about protecting data, usually privacy of data, confidentiality of data. In the OT world, it's more focused on safety and availability because if you get breached, um, what happens is production goes down and you stop you know, you stop gaining, getting any revenue. So it's, it's a much more critical kind of breach. You mentioned another one, safety, always number one in this industry. Um, so there are safety implications related to that, environmental implications. So now we're talking about corporate liability issues, right, that uh, are very important to the board of directors and to the management team. Um, there is some aspect of um, intellectual property as well 
right? If uh, your competitors can figure out what's going on on that offshore rig or uh, what the latest seismic information on the field you're exploring reveals about the, um, you know, the attractiveness of that field that can help their bidding strategy and all kinds. So there's a lot of intellectual property issues as well. So I would say the top three risks from a sea level and board level point of view are number one, safety and environmental risk and corporate liability. Right. Number two, financial risk, because you're talking about production and that's what drives revenue. And thirdly, uh, theft of sensitive intellectual property. And that's what's led many companies to look at how can we strengthen the security around these control systems. You know, and, and think about it. Uh, only one incident that if you guys could protect with uh, cyber, you sit there and save millions and millions. And, you know, if it, let's say it was, you know, God forbid, an oil spill. Uh, like the Exxon Valdez or the one that's potentially happening in uh, Yemen, that's one of those pays for the entire system. Um, certainly does. And, you know, that brings up um, one of the attacks that has really woken up the industry it was called the Triton attack. The Triton attack was on a petrochemical facility in Saudi Arabia, in which what the adversaries did was... Um, they got into the network probably through a phishing email, which is you know very common way to get into networks today. They ended up on the IT network, but then as a result of deploying malware into the IT network, they were able to gain access to the OT network. Oh. Once they gained access to the OT network, they spent months doing cyber espionage, looking around, cyber reconnaissance, understanding what that environment looked like, who's devices, you know, from which manufacturers were installed there. And then they built specially crafted malware to infect the safety controllers in this network. And the safety controllers are the controllers that shut down the plant when unsafe conditions are reached, such as temperature or pressure in a tank, for example. They installed their malware first into the um, programmable logic part of those controllers. Um, and then into the firmware of those controllers um, so that it would be persistent, so that even if you rebooted the thing or tried to change it, they would still be there. Now, luckily, they had some bugs in their code. They shut down the plant twice for a week at a time. I'm sure that cost them a couple hundred million dollars right there. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, because of those uh, shutdowns, that's what led the plant to investigate and discover this attack. And the adversaries behind that attack just last week uh, were hit with sanctions by the U.S. Treasury Department uh, and were publicly identified. Nice. Um, that is very, very nice story. Um, that brings up national security. Uh, we are all afraid of an older infrastructure on our energy grid. And with being, uh, you all have two of the fi uh, five major uh, utility companies, I believe, is what you've already secured or have. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. So the, the energy utilities have been further ahead than a lot of the other uh, verticals because for um, they've had a regulatory processes in place, uh, you know, that were that were started quite a while ago. Um, but even those regulations really weren't enough to, um, for example, oblige a utility to be continuously monitoring the network for compromises. There was lots of good stuff in the, in the regulations, the NERC SIP regulations around tracking assets and 
and patching, um, but they still have a long way to go. And so they've realized they need to do something about this. And interestingly enough, the adversaries behind this Triton attack I talked about a few minutes ago, uh, in this U.S. Treasury statement from last week, were confirmed that they've uh, gone after at least 20 utilities in the United States. They haven't done anything yet, uh, but they've been observed trying to compromise those utilities. So it definitely is a, a national security risk as well. Wow. If you bring it now to cyber criminals, right, which cyber criminals typically are interested in ransomware, getting money, um, you can imagine deploying ransomware uh, in a refinery or, um, you know, in some production facility, which again would cost, you know, cost the company hundreds of millions of dollars to be shut down that way. Um, and we also know that the cyber criminal organizations work very closely with the nation state uh, cyber uh, adversaries. So, so it might be a nation state, it might be a cyber criminal, but they kind of share tools with each other. And often the nation state engages um, the cyber criminals to do work on their behalf so they can claim plausible deniability and just say, well, it's just those guys deploying ransomware, but really it, it could be a nation state attack as well. You know, you sit back and kind of think um, it used to be uh, electricity was very, very important. And the internet, if you don't have an internet, you don't want to ever uh, make your doctor mad or the guy installing your, your uh, internet. And now national security uh, is unbelievable with all the hacking going on and the ability for them to do that. Um, what are some of the key technologies that CyberX did compared to anything else? What makes CyberX looking at that packet inspection, getting to that next level? What makes you different than other folks? Sure. Well, you can think of three things that really uh, helped our customers adopt this new technology. Uh, number one, it works with what they already have. It's an agentless Technology doesn't require deployment of any agents or um, anything that might disrupt uh, the environment or affect the performance of the environment, which obviously is the number one thing people are concerned about. You know, please don't take down production. So by being an agentless or passive monitoring technology, um, it's very easy to deploy into the environments you already have. And the other thing is that it's got very deep understanding of the specialized industrial protocols and the devices that are used in these environments, which are very different, obviously, than what you would find in an IT environment, which is why an IT security tool would not be appropriate for these environments. So number one, very easy to deploy, agentless and fits with what you already have. Number two, the company developed uh, specialized behavioral analytics that are patented, the only patent in the industry for uh, these behavioral analytics that are specifically tuned to the behavior you would find in an industrial control network, which is very different than what you would find in an IT network because it's machines talking to machines. It's very deterministic. And um, the benefit of having these specialized behavioral analytics algorithms is you can detect fast, uh, threats faster and with more accuracy than if you were to use generic uh, anomaly detection algorithms. Also, the learning period is much faster in terms of understanding what is normal and what is abnormal. So uh, installation costs uh, would be low from, you don't have to go out and check all the hardware. Right. Uh, 
Now on AI, um, a, you know, with um, all that, there's difference between machine learning and AI and you throw, everybody throws a word out and they don't know what that means. Can you mm-hmm. give a little bit about how the system will pick up what you just talked about? Sure. So the system uses machine learning. It builds a model of what normal looks like in the network, um, you know, based on, you know, HMIs, human machine interfaces, talking to PLCs or engineering workstations being used to reprogram PLCs, um, and then looks for deviations from that baseline uh, and generates alerts uh, based on these anomalies that are detected. So for example, in the Triton case, um, if monitoring had been in place in that attack, it would have ins- the system would instantly have detected that there was reconnaissance going on, that, the, that there was a system scanning the network, looking around saying, okay, what are these devices? What are their IP addresses? Who makes them? Is it a Schneider Electric? Is it a Rockwell Automation, et cetera? Yep. Another example would be, when they deployed their malware into the safety controller, they were reprogramming the safety controller. Now, that does happen from time to time, but it's fairly rare. And when it happens, you'd want to be alerted that it happens so you can investigate and say, you know, was this a legitimate reprogramming of the controller or was this a malicious activity? Um, So that's where the, the specialized anomaly detection algorithms go in. But that brings me to the third thing that really helped accelerate adoption of this new technology, which is you need to send those alerts somewhere. And most large organizations already have security operations centers, SOCs. They already have uh, established workflows. They're using uh, SIM systems, security information and event management systems. Um, And so one of the things that we did very early on was integrate with those, that security stack so that these alerts, even though they were coming from an OT network rather than an IT network, would show up in the SOC and would be part of the workflows that people have already for investigating threats. Um, when you sit back and take now, uh, what's going on in the oil and gas industry is, uh, I don't want to go back to a little bit of uh, ESG, but also, you know, you take a look at the environment, you take a look at the social and you take a look at the governance. Getting to the C-suite for the decision to try to secure everything down, uh, if they have access to capital, uh, they've got to, you know, that kind of gets their attention. Now, consumers are not wanting to buy their products unless they are taking care of the environment. And it seems like through these control uh, functions uh, that it is really helping um, uh taking a look and taking to the next step makes it easier for the uh, you to talk to the C-suite and the board of governance and saying, here are some of these advantages. Um, you know, it just seems like uh, you'd almost be silly and say, do you, do you want to get your system hacked or do you want to talk to us? I mean, it's almost like a godfather kind of a thing. It is. And, you know, even if you just look at it on a pure ROI point of view, you're investing X, uh, but you're protecting 20x or 30x in terms of uh, uh, potential downtime, uh, and I'm not even putting in their corporate liability, which can be a, you know a huge issue as we've seen in the past. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, and and so this is just exciting stuff as as far as taking a look at protecting the society. I mean, I hate to say that, you know, you want to blow this up, but this is protecting society at it at its finest. Um, if you were going to talk to a board member of a public utility of a um, you know, energy company, what would you tell that board member? I mean, the first thing I would say is that um, you really need a top-down focus to address this risk. Um, you need the management, you need the board to say, this is important because these three things are all important to us as a company. Mm -hmm. Safety and environmental issues. Number two, you know, our revenue and our production. And number three, our intellectual property. And so, you know, when, when a plant goes down, everyone gets affected. Everybody's options get worth less. People's um, uh, career, um, you know, um, ambitions get stopped. So this is really something that belongs, every, it's everybody's job to secure our company at the, at the operational technology level. Um, and then the second thing would be, your team wants to do the right thing. You have security folks in place. They care about this. But the other reason it, a top-down approach is required is that the people running your operations may not be as aware as they should be of what's required. They may be suspicious uh, because in the past there has been friction between IT and OT. In the past, you know, there was a lack of understanding of how OT is different than IT. Uh, you can't just take down a server every month to patch it in OT as you can in IT. And so in the past, there was that lack of empathy uh, on the IT team for the folks in the OT world, and there was a lack of understanding. And so you need a top-down approach to break down those silos and to have everyone speaking a common language. And that's really where the board and the management team can help. You know, uh, we've been dealing so much with financial uh, organizations at the board level, and you kind of get their attention when you say ESG is being tied to your capital and you can come in and say, oh, by the way, do you want to get sued and throw it under the bus? So uh, anyway, Phil, last word, any last thoughts for uh, our listeners out there? Well, I think the future of uh, industrial IoT looks really bright, um, you know, even in our own personal lives, we've learned over the last six or seven months how important the cloud and the internet is to what we do. And that is accelerating in the industrial world as well. The more data we can collect about our operations in real time, uh, the more we can optimize those processes and increase the safety of those processes. And that all depends on the cloud. Uh, and that's why the, the fact that we're now part of Microsoft is so exciting is that we can uh, bring all this information to the cloud. We can monitor the analytics and everything else that's going on in the cloud that's part of this end-to-end -end process for industrial IoT, for optimization. At the same time, for some organizations, keeping it completely on-premises may still be the right thing to do. But we can give people that choice of protecting their legacy environments, on premises today, and then protecting their next generation industrial IoT factory of the future, pipeline of the future, whatever you want to call it, that's connected to the cloud, we can give them a single solution for both those environments. 
Man, uh, it seems like this is just absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait to get this to all of our board members, C-suite, and anybody that wants to save our planet or save, uh, you know, against everything else. So again, thank you, Phil, for stopping by uh, our show. And we really just appreciate your time. Thank you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Stu. I enjoyed it. High level stuff there, guys, with Phil. We really appreciate him and the CyberX team taking time to come out and record this podcast with us. For all the other Energy 360 podcasts, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and the world's greatest website, www.oilandgas360.com. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you guys next time.